So welcome everybody. Today we're into part three of our series, Holy, Holy, Holy. And the way that this series works is we've been examining who God is. Because the thing about God is the more we know about him, the more we love him. And then the more we know about him, the more we keep loving him. And it just goes on and on and on because we keep learning more and more great things about him. So two weeks ago, we started talking about God the Father and how he wants to richly bless us. And then this past week, we talked about Jesus Christ in that we shouldn't just be spending our time around Jesus, but we should be spending our time loving him. And this week, we're getting into the Holy Spirit, which should be very exciting because the Holy Spirit is God's presence on this earth, God's presence with each and every believer. And we're going to talk about the power that is still displayed by God on this earth and the power that we have as believers. And then next week, we'll probably do a part 3.5, doing a little bit more of the Holy Spirit, because as you'll see from today, God has the power to change our lives, and it is one of the most exciting things that can happen. So to kind of introduce us to the message today, I invite you to look at the screen for a testimony showing the power of the Holy Spirit. So the title of this testimony is ISIS Assassin Converts to Jesus. It's a good place to start, right? Day three, why not? So the story is, is this guy, you know, the, the, the Lord is moving with such amazing encounters all across the Middle East right now. More Muslims are getting saved in these countries than we've seen in, in hundreds of years. And Jesus himself is appearing as a man in white. In fact, our last few trips there, we didn't even like do altar calls. You know, I was there four times last year. We just say, hey, who's seen a vision of a man in white? People just raise their hands, you know. It's, it's so easy. And so the Lord appeared to this guy named Abraham. Great name. And he called him out in a refugee tent. And he said, you are going to be my evangelist. You are going to win millions of Muslims to Jesus, da-da-da-da-da, to myself, all this. And then he anointed him. The guy left the camp. And he started just going wherever the Lord would send him. Now, so many people were getting saved that ISIS put a hit out on his life. And they actually sent an assassin from Syria to cross over the border to Iraq and to execute this guy. Now, he had heard all these stories and, and, and all of these people started to warn him. All the fear-mongering people came into his life. At his moment, you know, his greatest moment of breakthrough in, in his life, in his young ministry, the fear came. And they said, man, you just gotta chill out, bro. You need to like bring it down a notch. Your family's, you know, everyone knows you're on the hit list now, your family, your kids, your children, like think about them. And so the story goes is that as Abraham's wrestling with this fear, you know, and he, he knows what he's called to do, but yet the threats are coming against him. And, and, and he's, he's actually a carpenter, which is another good thing. <laughs> Abraham the carpenter. And I'm just going to read this, a little bit of this testimony. This is published in Voice of the Martyrs. It's legit. It just came out. It says, one day when he was working outside of his house with an electric saw, as he used it, the blade suddenly popped off and caught him in the mouth. Had the blade hit him a few inches lower, it could have hit an artery in his throat. If it had hit him a few inches higher, it could have blinded him. As he stood in shock for a moment, bleeding, he heard the Lord speak to him, saying, I am in control of when your life will end. 
do not be afraid. So, as he's there, a few days later, this ISIS assassin named Fadi comes after him. He shows up dressed in black with a knife, the real deal, coming straight for his, his house. As he's running to his house screaming, Abraham hears it, steps outside, and as this assassin is running towards him, he yells out in a loud voice. He goes, you are driven by the prince of demons, and Jesus is going to set you free. And he starts prophesying. Starts, starts prophesying to this assassin. Now what happens is, is as he's speaking this, while the guy is running at him with a knife. You want to talk about persecution? It's a little different over there. As the guy's running at him with a knife, he starts to shake uncontrollably as Abraham's declaring this to him. He falls to the ground, the knife falls out of his hand, and Abraham goes over, stands right next to him and says, what have you come here for? What do you want? And then Fadi, the ISIS assassin, looks up at him and goes, I want to know salvation. Come on! Come on! this guy he gets filled with the Holy Spirit he starts prophesying he comes as an assassin and he leaves as an evangelist so this is a day that we can be excited because we're learning about the power of God in the Holy Spirit because it's not just certain people who have the power of God when we accept the Holy Spirit into us it is like Jesus Christ is with us in every moment so Lord, as we get into your word today, we ask that you work on our hearts, that you show us how powerful you are, that you show us that you want to use us in this world, both to do miraculous healings and to do things within our own lives and out into this world with other people. So just let your spirit be in this place and show us your power and reveal mighty things in your name. So we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start out in the book of Joel. And this was written 800 years before Jesus Christ was ever on this earth. So 800 years, that, you know, from present day, that would be like it was written in the 1200s, a long time ago. So we're 800 years before Jesus Christ was ever born. And it says, Then, after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And then it continues and it says, in those days I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. So 800 years before Jesus Christ ever sets foot on this earth, God the Father is telling us that I will pour out my spirit upon this earth. I will have my presence here. And then we move a little bit forward and we get to the point where Jesus Christ is sent to this earth, where God sends his only son and Jesus Christ obediently says yes and he is born to a virgin. And then Jesus Christ grows up, he learns many things and he gets to the age of 30 where he's baptized and his public ministry begins. And then towards the end of his public ministry from the ages of 30 to 33, he knows that his time on this earth is coming to an end very soon. So he's been telling his disciples this, trying to prepare them that 
you know, his time is coming to an end and then things will be different. So he tells them, he says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and, I, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. So he's talking to his 12 disciples here and he's trying to tell them, I am going away to the Father. But yet the disciples don't want to hear it. They're saying, no, no, don't go away, don't go away. We want your presence with us. Which is understandable. If you've been walking around with Jesus Christ for three years and suddenly he says that he's going to die and go to the Father, I'd be saying, no, I don't want to hear that. Let me just stay in your presence. But then Jesus continues. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, who is the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, it is actually best for you if I go away. Because once I go away, I can send my Holy Spirit to you, and then you'll have him with you. And then just a little bit earlier, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He's saying whoever believes in me will do even greater things than he was doing. So when I think about that, I think, okay, first of all, if Christians are going to do even greater things, then that is wonderful news because this earth can look completely different. Because there are roughly 2.2 billion Christians on this earth. And if you think that there's 2.2 billion Christians and they can all be doing greater works than Jesus Christ, this world should be free of problems. You know, if roughly a third of the people identify as Christians, then this world should be a much better place than it is. Because it's one thing to have one Jesus in one physical place, but if we have 2.2 billion Christians all with the power of God within us, then this world should not look how it looks. But then I think about it, and this is me hearing this as well, so don't think I'm up here thinking I'm better than anybody. I think the reason why this world looks the way that it does is because many Christians are not living as we're called to in the book of Acts. You know, if we study the book of Acts and see how the early Christians were living and see how Jesus Christ lived, and then we look to our own lives or we look to the lives of those around us, we see a great disconnect. We see that we're not living in the same way that we're called to be living. You know, this Christian life is not easy in any way, but I believe no matter where we're at right now, we're called to more. We're called to be more devoted and more willing and more bold in order to show this world that Jesus Christ really loves them. So the day happened that Jesus Christ really did die on that cross. Shortly after he gave the disciples this message, he was crucified brutally, and then he died and he was buried and was in the grave for three days. Now during those three days, I can't blame them for feeling hopeless in those moments because the savior that they've been with was now dead. There was no sign that he was going to come back to life because he was sealed in a tomb. So I don't blame them for that. But then three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. 
And at this point, the hope should start building again. The excitement should start coming because Jesus Christ showed that he has power over death. You know, he showed that not even a sealed tomb can hold him. Not even the pits of hell can hold him down because he has this power. So then Jesus Christ was on the earth for 40 days, revealing to people that it truly was him, and then he ascended back into heaven. But the disciples had the promise that the Holy Spirit was coming. And guess what? The Holy Spirit came. On Pentecost, when all the believers were gathered together, the Holy Spirit descended down on this earth. And the text says that on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So the Spirit descends down on the people, and they start doing things that they would have never had the ability to do on their own. They're speaking the languages of the other individuals who came to celebrate. And the Holy Spirit's showing the power of God from the moment that it gets to this earth. And then we see at the end, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Now, I'm not saying that Peter isn't a phenomenal preacher, but he's not good enough to save 3,000 people with one sermon. That is evidence that the Holy Spirit was there with them, moving in these people's lives and showing that God's presence is on this earth in a fresh and new way. You know, no longer is it only Jesus Christ, one physical man, but God's presence is with each believer. But, you know, as I mentioned before, why don't things look differently? If God's presence is with each of us, why aren't we seeing miracles happen daily? Why aren't we seeing more healings? And this is especially true in the United States. I think a lot of times we're a little bit too well off because in some of these other Christian countries or countries that are less developed than us, we see these kinds of things happening. In countries where people are truly dependent on God and have nothing else but a reliance on Him, we see these movements with thousands and thousands of people converting to Christianity. We see healings, we see visions, but I think a lot of times here in the United States and in most of our lives, we get overly comfortable. I know I do. It's easier you know, to go home and turn on the TV instead of spending some time with God. It's easier <laughs> instead of meeting somebody's need financially, knowing that someone's suffering, it's easy to just keep that money in our account and to pray for that person. It's just, life is sometimes way too easy in this country. So what we're going to talk about today is how we can try to live so that we can allow God to work through us. You know, sometimes it's almost like we're blocking what he's trying to do because he wants to work through us powerfully and we just don't want to stand in his way. It's like we want to have our own lives at a place where we can say, come on, God, show your power right now. So we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about three ways that God's power can be on display through us and what we should be doing. 
the first, and I would say the most critical, is to repent from our sins. And when we first hear this, we think, you know, I told God I'm sorry. Is that enough? That would be asking for forgiveness. To truly repent means to turn from our sins, to say, God, I do not want to do that anymore. Please get that out of my life. And if that's something that we can stop with God's help, then that's wonderful. If it's something, you know, an addiction that we have, or if it's something more powerful that has complete control in our lives, then to repent from that doesn't mean to just say sorry every time it happens. It means to take steps to move away from that. Maybe it means talking to other individuals. Maybe it means joining some kind of a group. But whatever the case, we can't let the sins happening in our lives affect us from the power that God has. See, the text says, and this is of the early Christians, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So when everybody's asking, how can we have the same power? How can we do what you are doing? Peter says, repent from your sins, turn away from them and turn to God. And I know how easy it can be. You know, it can be so easy to just keep living the way that we're living, to keep saying, you know what? My dad acted this way, so I'm going to act this way too. You know what? This is how my friends are acting, so it's really not that bad if I just act a little bit better than them. But if we truly want to show the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we need to say no, no more to our sins. And look how the text continues. Peter says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So this promise is for us today just as much as it was for the disciples back then. And to help illustrate these three points that we're making, I want to go through a little bit of a story with you. See, back in September, we, a couple of us from this church, I believe eight of us, went to a conference called the Belonging Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And there was, now most of it was really good and really amazing because there were a ton of Christians with the first song we did, Zeal, that's one of their songs. And, you know, Ty does it better, but it was still really good there. But we had one session that was a little bit on the boring side. I don't know if you guys can relate at all. Once in a while, things get a little boring. So I naturally went up to go use the bathroom. And I guess because other people may have thought it was a boring session, the bathroom was completely full. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to walk outside, get some fresh air, and maybe I'll find a bathroom at like a subway or something. You know. So I ended up finding, it was like a bus station. And I figured there would be a bathroom in the bus station. But as I walk in, this individual approaches me, and there were a couple of people in the background, and he kind of has his hand, like, shoved down in here, like where someone would be holding a gun. And he goes, hey, I heard that you were in a hit and run with my brother, and you better pay up, or you better pay up. And he seemed real nervous and stuff and kept holding. And then he was like, or, I'm going to be forced to bring some heat. And, you know, at this moment, I'm thinking, like, Okay, that, these things aren't sounding good. I don't really want to hear this. So my first reaction was, I said, hey, hey, I have some money. Just take this. I don't want any problems. And I walked away. 
you know, I didn't treat him with any love. I just instantly did my gut reaction and said, here's some money, I'm out of here. So then the Holy Spirit has a way of convicting us. So I walked back, you know, into the comfortable environment of Christians. And the next session was starting and it was talking about how Christians are reaching the city of Nashville. And I thought, well, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I didn't think it. But he told me, why are you sitting in here listening how to reach this city when there was just somebody out there desperately in need of my love? You know, so I got up again, got a little bit more money out, and then walked back to the place where this guy was at. And he did the same thing to me again. He walked up and did the same thing. And at this point, I knew, like, he wasn't actually threatening. This was just his scheme to try and get money from people. So I told him, I said, hey, buddy, like, you just did this. But I have more money from you. And I want you to know that God sees more value in you than trying to trick people out of money. Like, this isn't the way that you should be living because God loves you more than this kind of a lifestyle. But he was like kind of half hearing me, kind of in his own little world. And then his friends came up and then he kept saying like, hey, like talking to his friends, he was like, this guy just gave me money. And then he asked me, am I on a TV show or something? Like he's, he was really happy about it, but really confused. And at this point, I just kind of was like quiet and like, yeah, like everything's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the deal. As great as some of that sounds, I don't think any of that changed his eternal destiny because I wasn't living how I was supposed to be living. Because look at these steps with me to, sh to show you where I failed here. The second is to live with Jesus as your Lord. Now, it's one thing just to say, yes, Jesus, Lord, I turn from my sins and I'm making you Lord of my life. But if we're telling him we want to make him Lord of our life, we need to live as if he's the Lord of our life. And in that moment, if I would have been living with him fully as the Lord of my life, unashamed, I would have said, no, you stop talking and listen. The only reason why I'm not reporting you, the only reason why I'm giving you something and giving you this grace is because Jesus Christ loves you. You know, I would have clearly told him the gospel message. But instead, once things, you know, once he started talking to his friends and once things got a little difficult, I just kind of stood back quietly and didn't say what I was supposed to be saying. You know, in this Christian life, if we're going to declare Jesus Christ as Lord, we need to be bold with people. We need to tell them why we do what we do, tell them that none of the glory is for ourselves, but it's all for God. You know, because think of how the disciples were living. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to learning about God, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals like the Lord's Supper and prayer. So they were truly living their lives each day as if Jesus Christ was Lord. And I think there's a lot of times that we don't live like that. And then we don't see much happen in our lives, but look what happened to the disciples. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So when they truly live as if Jesus Christ is their Lord, you know, when they're not ashamed, when they're not embarrassed, when they're bold in their faith, 
miraculous things happen. And that's where I failed. That's where, like I had the right idea, I had the right start, but then once I kind of accomplished the mission, I just stepped back, and then I'm not sure that his eternal destiny has changed at all. He was just surprised by an act of kindness by a stranger. Which, you know, acts of kindness are wonderful, but if they don't point people to God, it's like they're meaningless. And then finally, in order for God's power to be revealed, I believe from the biblical account that we need to do ministry in community. You know, we need to be with other believers. And look at these verses with me. It says, the disciples worship together at the temple each day, together. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, which you don't meet in homes by yourself, you meet with groups of people. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So these disciples were doing ministry together. And then I love this next part, it comes from the book of Mark. It says, Jesus, at one point earlier in his ministry, he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two. And you would think, if you have 12 disciples who all have given the authority of God, you'd send them out individually because then they could reach double the places. You know, if you send them out in pairs, they can only reach six places, but 12 can reach 12 places. But yet Jesus sent them in pairs specifically, and I believe it's because we're called to do ministry in community. And look at the results. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and to turn of God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. So in these teams of two, they did miraculous things together. And personally, if I were up here preaching, I would love to preach with another person. You know, do like one person preaches for a little bit, then another. Not just because I'd be saying less and you'd be hearing less of me, which sometimes is okay, but because it kind of reinforces what's happening. And it shows that God's power can work through more than just one person. Now think about the situation that I was in. You know, I went by myself, and aside from the one individual, there were probably five of his friends in the background. Think if I would have taken some people from our team with me. You know, maybe I wouldn't have been bold enough in that moment to utter something, but I guarantee you Tammy would have been. <laughs> or I guarantee you other people in that group would have been able to show just how important Jesus Christ is for those individuals. And not even just that, if I would have came with more people instead of just me, it would have showed the validity of the gospel. It would have showed that there was something true and unique about this, but instead I was doing it alone, where it's easy for one person to be attacked and defeated. So the band can go ahead and come up now. But thankfully with God, you know, even when we fail in a situation like that, God gives us more and more chances. You know, God doesn't say, you kind of failed in this one, so you're off on the sidelines for a long time. Because at this conference, God did something else that was remarkable. You know, a lot of the conference, we were in a setting where we were in worship with God and we were hearing from his word and truly in the presence. 
And this whole conference, I kept hearing about what the Holy Spirit did for people. And I kept hearing about the power that he can have. And one of the pastors was talking about how he just prayed, Holy Spirit, come help in this situation. And the Holy Spirit like changed things in that instant. So I'm thinking like, what, like why isn't this evident in my life? Holy Spirit, I want to see you do something. So during the final day of the conference, after hearing everything for those couple days, we were in worship and I was kind of off by myself and Amy Craig was probably 15 feet from me just by herself and there were a ton of people around worshiping. And at one moment I said, Holy Spirit, I want you to come now and show me your presence. I want you to somehow show me that you're real and somehow show me the power that you have. And I stood there for just a moment, you know, just waiting for something to happen. And then Amy Craig turns around and walks to me and she says, I feel like God wants me to tell you something. So it's like I asked for God to show me, Holy Spirit, show me something. And then immediately Amy Craig comes and has a word from God. And she has to take some time to collect herself because you can see the power that just came to her. And then she puts her thumb on my forehead and talks about how God has me in his plans, that he has plans for me. And it was some of the things that I had learned about, you know, from the time I was seven when I felt called and some things I've been struggling with. And she hit the nail exactly on the head because God was the one that revealed those words to her when I asked for the Holy Spirit to do something. And I believe the reason why the Holy Spirit showed up so powerfully was because the first night of this conference, for like two hours, I spent it repenting of my sins. You know, I spent it trying to get to a place where I was right with God and away from everything that I had been doing before. And then, I tried to live as if Jesus Christ was truly Lord and be bold, be bold in asking the Holy Spirit to show up and do the work that he says he will do. And it's not just that, but I was in community, community this whole time. You know, we had eight of us on this trip. We had thousands of other Christians at this conference. And think about it. If Amy Craig wouldn't have been obedient to that word from God, then I wouldn't have seen the Holy Spirit's power. Sometimes in our own lives, we need to be so close to God that when he gives us a word, it might be for somebody else. It might not just be for us. So what I would do is I would invite us all to stand at this time. And I want you to close your eyes with me. And I want us to get into a time where we truly tell God that we're turning from our sins. So God, for all of us in this room, if there's anything, anything at all blocking us from your presence, blocking us from the power that can be displayed through you, help us to turn from this right now and make this personal. Tell God, I'm not going back to that. That's in my past. I want you. I want your presence in this place. And you'll feel the weight lifting off of you. We'll feel that we're right where we're supposed to be in the presence of God. 
And I want us to recognize that now is the time that we need to declare Jesus is Lord. Whether we came in here not knowing anything about him or if we've been serving him for 60 years, tell him right now that he is Lord over all things. That no matter how bold you need to be, you're going to do that. Because life in his presence is something new. Life in his presence is where the power is so that ISIS hitmen can convert to Jesus Christ so that healings can be done, so that this world can be completely different. And as we're in this community right now, I want us to know that God's presence is here and that he might be speaking to some of us, that he might be asking us to lift other people up, that he might be having us do specific things, but the presence of God is in this place. And we're gonna join together and talk about and sing about and sing into being the things that we want to happen in our lives. The atmosphere is changing in this place. So get on your hearts right now something that you need from God the Holy Spirit. Because the atmosphere is changing in this place. Get on your hearts something you boldly want to ask Him. And let's sing it into being. Let's feel the presence of God in this place. Father, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, come now.